When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. Stand by me. When the storms of life are raging, stand by me. Stand by me. When I do the best I can, and my friends misunderstand, thou who never lost a battle. Stand by me, stand by me, when I'm growing old and feeble, stand by me, stand by Grace me, God. when I'm growing old and feeble, stand by me. I can and my friends misunderstand thou who never lost a battle stand by me stand by me when the storms of life are raging Stand by me, stand by me, when the storms of life are raging, stand by me.
coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray. In fathomless billows of love, oh, there's peace, oh, God's wonderful peace is coming.
youth group is having a Nehemiah moment and we need your help. We sat here Friday night and they laid the foundations. They walked these, these pews and they prayed for the sanctuary. We are rebuilding the walls. The enemy has infiltrated. The enemy has breached and we are taking our church back and we are starting in this youth group. Will you join us? Will you join us? We need your prayers. Lift them up today. Join us as we praise the Lord. Give the Lord an offering of praise this morning. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Set a fire. Set a fire, Lord, within our midst. God, the enemy is exposed this morning. And like the word said in Nehemiah, that Ezra word, read the word of God back to the people to remind them. Let's be reminded today what the word of God says. Oh, those from among you will rebuild rebuild the ancient ruins. You will raise up the age-old foundations, and you will be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets in which you dwell. Oh, Isaiah 58, 12. Thank you, God. Oh, I And they spake the word of God with boldness. Acts 4.31. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Hebrews 4.12. I not commanded you to be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord God is with you wherever you go. Joshua 1 9. And I beseech you, therefore, my brethren, by the mercies of God, that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And that's Romans 12, 1 and 2. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Jeremiah 29, 11. Therefore he said unto Judah, let us build these cities and make them walls and towers, gates and bars, while the land is yet before us, because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him, and we, he has given us rest on every side, so they built and prospered. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Isaiah 12, 2. Strong and courageous, do not fear or be in dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Know, your, know you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which you are God's. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. 
But God hath not given a spirit of fear, but of power and love of a sound of mind. Second Timothy first. There's no place I would rather be. There's no place I would rather be. and help me. It's your breath in our lungs. 
how sweet it is to trust in you, Jesus. Oh, how sweet, how sweet it is to trust in you, Jesus. Oh, how sweet, how sweet it is to trust in you, Jesus. I'm sorry, I have to say something. This past week um, was 10 years that my dad has been with the Lord, and um, it's been a really long, dark, dark 10 years, and this morning, seeing Ken, um, it took me back to that morning, thinking about all the, the police and everyone that was there, and um, it was pointless because he wasn't there. The second that he closed his eyes, he was with the Lord. <laughs> and I've been so angry and so mad. And it's so simple. That's the point. He raised us and my mom, they brought us to church to be with Jesus. And I've been mad that he's with Jesus. <laughs> that sounds so silly when you say it out loud because that was mourning for me, not for my dad. And he's been with the Lord and to him it's like a second. And it's so sweet, so sweet. But yeah. I'm going to get to be there with the Lord and all the pain. And there's no reason to be afraid of being ill or dying or walking a long walk. Because in the end, our life is so short. It's so short. And I'm so thankful for the blessings that he's given me and the peace I have in my heart. Knowing what's waiting for me. At the end of this journey, I just want to thank him today and share that with you, that he will change your life and he can move you. And the point is to be with the Lord. We're not here for ourselves and for all these earthly things. We're here to grow closer to the Lord and be with him. That's the goal. thank you for the offering today. I can only say God's doing what he wants to do. I'm glad that he is welcome in the house of God. 
I'm glad when we come that we know that there's victory in Jesus. I want to talk a little bit about the victory in Jesus. Bobby talking about the faith, our faith being increased. We need to increase our faith. And I began to study this this week, and I began to think about all the ways that the world has turned and the ways of the churches that have turned. Not to put any church down, not to put anybody down. This is the generation that's came. And I look around at what is happening and I realize that the world or the church world has gone their own way. They've taken a route that is uh, in man's wisdom, in man's world. And I want to talk to you today about that. I want to talk to you about the direction of the church, and I want to get a hold of this because I have a uh, assurance in me that I know that God is guiding what he's doing. I realize that when he brings messages or brings things to our mind, he wants us to chew on it. He wants us to get a hold of it. He wants us to get into the word of God. And begin to see it for yourself. Because one of the things that's happening all across the nation is churches are not teaching their people to read their Bible. Or they've come up with their own idea of what the Bible says and they don't go nowhere else. They don't talk about anything else. All they talk about maybe is their doctrine. And can I tell you, Pentecostals is as bad as any of them. They're getting off, off track. And when I say get off track, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this out. I want you to turn, if you will, to the first chapter of 1 Corinthians. I'm going to try my best to get done here quick. We don't ever get done before 1230, so don't count on it. But it's only two minutes till 12. But I want you to look at 1 Corinthians, first chapter, and I want you to look at verse 17. This will sound like somebody's doctrine. I have listened to Billy Graham. I've listened to different preachers over the years. I've listened to uh, Jimmy Swaggart for the last few years. I've heard his sermons at times. I don't follow it all the time, but I know a few people that do. And I, I do listen to what they say. I do hear what they're teaching. And I can tell you that when they preach Christ and the cross, they're right on it. I'm not going to condemn that. I'm not going to go against it. They may go a little bit too far in certain areas. You may like or dislike what some of the things they say. But I want to tell you something. If you get away from Christ and the cross, you have lost the salvation that's in Jesus Christ. Because can I tell you something? Our Heavenly Father sent His only begotten Son to bring salvation and to bring the power and the victory to change lives. And that can't change by anything man does. That can only change by what, by what Jesus Christ paid for at Calvary. It is never going to be no different. You can put a lot of books on top of it. You can talk about 50 different philosophies. Theologians can get and talk together. But can I tell you something? When you get away from the cross, when you get away from what Jesus Christ paid for you and I, you've lost the way. 
I'm sorry. I'm not nobody's judge. And God knows in my heart, I want all the churches that proclaim the name of Christ to stand faithful and true to the call that God's given them. Stand faithful. I want Jesus' name to be glorified when we get home. I don't want him to be ashamed of his church. I want us to get together and be one in him and bring the glory to him. Verse 17. Paul is the speaker. Paul is facing false doctrines. Paul is facing people coming in. They're always, they, they take that Jesus is coming back right soon. They don't believe it's going to have to wait a long time. It's been 2,000 years, but Paul, been almost 2,000 years, but Paul is uh, bringing a clarity to their, to their mind. I want you to hear it. For Christ, in verse 17, for Christ sent me not to baptize because they were debating on who was baptizing who. Paul, uh, Paul or Apollos or Peter, did you get baptized under Peter or did you get baptized under Paul? Or did you get, and Paul's basically saying, I wasn't sent to baptize people. I was sent to preach the gospel. How many knows that's the truth? When we get off of what we're sent to do, we're not going to help nobody. Because God knows exactly how he wants to use every one of us. And not one of us is the same. I can't walk in my daddy's shoes. I couldn't walk in my, in my mother's shoes. I couldn't walk in nobody's shoes. I got to walk in the shoes God gave me to walk in. And so do you. But he says, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Now listen to this. Not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. And that's the thing that struck me. All of a sudden I realize man is added so much knowledge and words that they, and I'm talking about in the church, I'm talking about they've added so much to it that they want to turn around and take away from the effect that the cross of Christ should have in our lives. I can't talk you into being a Christian. I can't psychologically tell you what to do. I could give you advice. There's wise people that does things. Solomon had wisdom. I, I'm not saying anything against wisdom. There's even uh, people that I think are wise people that even God calls. He does call some that are wise. Apostle Paul was a wise person. As far as he had a lot of knowledge and a lot of understanding of what was going on and how it come together. But if you look at verse uh, chapter 2, you'll find out uh, chapter 2, I think it's the second verse, he says, I, second or third verse, he says, I know nothing save Jesus Christ and him crucified. How many knows he already knows everything that he knows and everything he's ever learned means nothing without the gospel, without Jesus Christ and him crucified? That's why we can't get away from it. That's why we can't stray away from it. That's why we can't go on with our life and do something different and Claim we're already okay. Nothing has to be done. I want to tell you something. The gospel is going to be preached. The truth has got to be preached. If it's not preached, there won't be no salvation. There will be no reviving of ourselves. I need revived every once in a while. Every once in a while, I need the Holy Spirit to just hit me and just completely melt me. Let me know you can't do nothing without me. How many knows the Holy Spirit needs to be in you that way? 
You need to find out you can't do nothing. I don't care how smart you are. I don't care how much money you got in the bank. I don't care where you come from. It is never going to work when walking with Christ. And I ain't saying God's taking that away from you. I'm just telling you, put him first. And he is the victory. And what he did at Calvary is the victory. Paul also said in the second chapter of that 1 Corinthians, verse 4, in my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. If you look at what the apostles were doing, they were going around healing the sick, casting out devils. They were doing all the things that Jesus sent them to do. They did not come up with their own philosophy. They did not come up with their own idea of let me entertain you. That is not what they're there for. They're there to, to portray what Jesus Christ did because if the salvation and the gospel is not centered in him, it cannot work. We're leaving it off. We're glorifying in other things. Okay, verse 18. 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. What's he saying? If you look around the world, they will tell you the preaching of the cross. Some churches have even taken the cross out of their church. Why? Because the preaching of the cross to them is foolishness. And can I tell you something, you're not going to walk with God that way. God sent his son to pay the price that had to be paid. And it was a perfect lamb. Can I tell you, he was a perfect sacrificial lamb. When, when uh, Abraham was taking Isaac up on the mountain, God told him to go up there. And, Abraham, and Isaac said to his father, where is the, uh, the sacrifice? And his father said, the Lord will provide the sacrifice. The Lord will provide the lamb. How many knows, long time after that, when John the Baptist was baptizing people, Jesus came in the scene and he looked and he said, behold the lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. Let me tell you something. If you're going to live victorious outside of sin, if you're going to defeat sin in your life, you have to understand it's done through what Jesus did. It's not how good you are. It's not how much somebody tells you this or that. It's what Jesus has done. Okay. Acts 17, 18. I'm going to skip off here, but you can stay in 1 Corinthians if you want to because I'm going to read a couple of verses that goes along with each one of these verses. And he's talked about the preaching of the cross is foolishness. In Acts 17, verse 18, there were certain philosophers, Epicureans and Stoics, encountered Paul, and some of them, at, this was at Athens, and what, will, what they all would say, some would say, what will this babbler say? And others says he seemed to be a setter forth of a strange God because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection. Down at verse 21 of that Acts 17, it says, For all the Athenians and strangers that which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. And I thought, if that don't describe what's going on, 
We got a thousand translation Bibles. We got a thousand books written on how to do everything. And I'm talking to the Christian world. They got a thousand books on everything, but the only victory is in Jesus and what he paid for. It was him that paid our price. It was him that Paul said brought the power of God. The power to change a life. The power to give you victory over sin. He didn't come and pat you on the head and say, it's okay, I forgive you. No, he said, I remove that sin far as from the east to the west. I remove it. Nobody can do that for you. There's no book you read can take that away. There's no brain thrill that's going to come to set you free. It'll come by your faith. Believe what Jesus did when he laid down his life at Calvary. It sounds like a simple story. That's why they call it foolishness. It's like a little child can understand this. God didn't put this gospel up on a high shelf for intelligent people. But if you read about these Stoics and these Epicurean people, these philosophers, see, I believe we live in the time of the revised Roman Empire. And if you look back through the Old Testament and you find when Babylon came and then you had the Medes and the Persian and the Grecian and the Roman, do you know that is not just Bible? That is history. Do you know that's American history? It can go right back through and you can see right past the time of Christ, you will see that, this, that the, uh, the days came when Daniel saw that head of gold and it was Babylon. What is it saying? It's portraying all that man can be, all of his great knowledge. Do you know that's where all these Socrates and Plato and all these people came? That's where America got the word democracy. It's through these people. They have great philosophy. They sit down, they figure out all these new ways to do things and how to obtain things. But can I tell you, it'll come back to the simplicity that when you're lost, this America, I don't care how good it is, I don't care how good your brother and sister is, you can need your own help. And your own help comes through him. Your own victory comes through Jesus. You don't need the church to tell you about it. You don't need the church to tell you you're lost. All we got to do is speak the truth and the gospel will go forward. Conviction will come. I know, I thought when I was a young boy, a young man, when I was standing in church and I was under conviction, I knew I was guilty. I knew I was a sinner and I was lost and I had never been saved. But I just thought, I'm a kid. I'm a mom and dad's kid. They didn't know about paying no attention to me. I was about 13, almost 14 years old, but I'm standing there hiding behind somebody because I was sure that minister was looking right at me. I was sure he knew all about me. But what happened was the Holy Spirit was speaking to my heart. He was showing me that you're away from God. You don't know salvation you don't know what it means to be saved and can I tell you something when the Holy Spirit and he only came because of what Jesus did but when he comes and he convicts your heart that's God talking to you that's God speaking to you you might blame us you might say I hate that guy when he gets excited and talks about God but the real truth is don't re don't reject the very spirit that's speaking to your heart 
Because God is calling to people today to come and have victory. Walk in victory. Don't walk half in. Don't come in and get your ticket to go to heaven and go out and live like the devil because that's what our world is to set, decided it's okay to do. That's not going to work. Can I tell you, we need to fall back on our face. We need to bring everything to the cross of Christ and say, Jesus, 2,000 years ago you hung on the cross and you paid for my sin then. You paid for everything. He don't have to come back and die again for you. He paid. He became the sacrificial lamb that was perfect. And it was accepted of the Father. It was accepted. It was a perfect gift. Perfect sacrifice. These philosophers, they're getting more and more every time you turn your head. People has all kinds of ideals what makes you a good person. You know what? You can, be a, you can be a Billy Graham. You can be whoever you think you are. But can I tell you something? If you don't know Christ yourself, you're in trouble. You need to know what salvation is, and you need to understand that it's only in what Jesus did. It's not what mom and dad did. It's not mamas and dads are working so hard to keep their perfect children in a perfect place. And can I tell you something? You cannot save your children. God gave them to you to teach them about him. And for one day, one, keep on praying, because one day the Holy Spirit is going to speak to them just like he spoke to you. Praise God. I can't go and live for my children. I can't live for my grandchildren. They are going to have to make up their mind. Either dad or grandpa has lost his mind or grandma's lost their mind or they really got a hold of something that I'm accountable to. And that's the thing that we got to understand. Live for it. Turn your whole life over to it. Not halfway. 1 Corinthians 1.19. Next verse. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. And I like this. He's talking about, I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise. The wise people can't do anything with this gospel. They can't hardly do anything with Christ. You put somebody in the right place that God put them there, if you put that person before the president or whoever's up there, he can put him before Congress. If God made the appointment to be and they spoke the truth, he'll convict anybody in there that God's pointing at. And you know what? They are dumbfounded that true Christians, I don't care how smart you are, there is something simple about this salvation that comes upon somebody that can change a life that every man in the flesh knows. I need that, whatever it is. I may not understand it. I may not know how to get it. But I can tell you right now, that's what I need. I need to be set free from myself because myself is destructive. And all of my wisdom and all of my knowledge don't help. But I like what he said here in this one because he said, I will destroy the wisdom wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Who are these prudent people? Prudent people are planners ahead carefully. They're wisely cautious. You ever build a house or you ever plan a trip? 
don't you get down and get the maps out? Or I did. I mean, they, they do the computer now. But I get the maps out, and I study the map. I figure out where I'm going. And I got to study what I'm doing. I have to figure out what's, how to get where I'm going. And I think about it ahead before I get on the expressway. And I'm flying. <laughs> you know? I want to think about that next city I'm going to go through and how to get around it. How to get through it. What's the best route? How many knows we plan those things? But can I tell you, all the plans you make, listen to me, Christian, all the plans you make for your children, for yourself, if they're not waiting upon him, if you're not living depending on faith in him, guess what? Those things are going to let you down. All of that good thing. Somebody said, so I, they used to hire guys at the railroad. We were an older crew, and they would always give us the new people. They'd have new, maybe sometimes, a lot of times be young people. But they would come on the railroad. Some of them were so smart, DJ, they could pass tests like nothing. I mean, you put, them, you put a book before them, and the next day give them a test on it, and they'll probably get an A on it. I don't know how their brain, my brain never worked that way. But you know what I noticed about some of them when I'd watch the conductors that I had working with them? You know what I watched them? Some of them, as smart as they were, they could pass any test and be the top one that you thought was going to be a railroader. But if the conductor didn't reach back, get him by the hand, and walk him across the track, he's liable to get killed before he got there. Isn't that sad? Now, you can call it common sense. He didn't have no common sense. You can call it horse sense. I don't care how you call it. But can I tell you, even your common sense and either your horse sense or whatever you want to call it, that ain't good enough. And that's the way the prudent are. The prudent are they do the best they can. They put it together. They are wisely cautious. They're watching. They're really alert. But can I tell you, that even comes to a dead end. When you decide, I need Jesus, and I need him in me, and I need something better than I am to fill me up and to lead me through this life, to protect me from the enemy that wants to come back in and destroy me and get me back on that path that's walking down the road that our America's walking down, that we want to say, wait a minute, what are you doing? What do you mean turning your children into a different sex? What are you talking about? Where's your brain at? Where's your common sense? But can I tell you, we can scream that all we want to, but common sense ain't going to change it. It'll be the power of God that changes. And we parents, we Christian parents, need to realize you can only do what you can do, but God can do many mighty things. And many wondrous things. He can change a whole society. God can cause a revival to take over a whole nation. God can turn it. And don't you think it's, he's got a short arm because he ain't. He's able to do it anywhere, anytime. And just look out because you're either going to want to be in it or you're going to be want to stand back and block it. Because I can tell you a lot of churches block it. I don't want none of that. Don't put me there. That offends me. The cross offends you? All I see is the great grace and the great love of God that would let his son die for me. All I see is I was guilty. He wasn't. 
but as a perfect sacrifice, he never sinned. He stayed faithful to never sin. He faced temptations like you and I, but he never sinned. Listen to me. And then he laid down his life and he died, took his last breath. The one scripture says, uh, wherever it's at, Forgot it now. It's not there. Maybe it wasn't meant for me to read it. Yeah, here it is. In being found in the fashion as a man, listen to me, Jesus found himself in the fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. How many knows Jesus came? He came to be one of you and I so he could pay our price. And finding himself there, he was obedient even to the death of the cross. That's why he didn't call 10,000 angels and stop this. That's why, he didn't, that's why he didn't turn around and smite all those that talked back to him or said the hard things to him. No, he took on everything that we did that hung him on the cross. He laid down his life and he died. There is only one Savior. The world don't see it. The world's keeping looking for smart people to figure out what to do next. And they, no, as long as they turn away from God, as long as they stay away from him, there is no victory. There is nothing that's going to last. It's all temporary. You know, I can go on vacation. I can be sitting there and it might be beautiful and everything, the weather's perfect. And I can come home and I'd say, boy, that's great. But how many knows? As soon as you get home, it's over. And then you got all this, oh, I got to go on and live for another year before I get a vacation. <laughs> you know? I know, it's hard, sad. But can I tell you, this world's empty. Everything it's got is empty. But Jesus will fulfill your life. Every day you can go and talk to him. Every day he's involved in everything in your life. Everything that you care about. Everything that comes against you. He'll be there for you. There's power in his name. There's power in his blood. He and he alone defeated death for you and I. I don't want my brother-in-law to leave this life. I want to keep him. Matt, I want to keep him as long as I can. 42 years him and your mom's been married. And I've seen a lot of things happen in 42 years. But I know this, I got to put my trust in God. I listened to Hallie's testimony and I thought, I'm going to put my trust in God. Others have gone through many hard days, lost many beautiful people, and they long to see their face. I stood before an older man one time at the bedside, and he was dying. And I began to tell him about what Jesus did. And he looked at me, and he said, yeah, I know all about it. He said, I'm just hungry to see my mom and my older brother. He said, my older brother was so good to me. And he said, I miss him so much. Let me tell you something. we got to believe in this afterlife. we got to believe in the heaven that Jesus has gone away to prepare we have to have our faith in the right place. If you keep listening to the world, they're not going to tell you that. 
They'll write books on how to die. They'll write books on anything else, but they really can't tell you how to live. Christ is the one who gives you life. Okay. One nineteen says, he says, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. I read that in the prudent. In Isaiah 29, 13, 14, that's where that words, words come from. It says, wherefore the Lord said, for as much as this people draw near me with their mouth and with their lips do honor me, but have removed their heart far from me. And their fear toward me is taught by the precept of man. Therefore, behold, I will proceed to do a marvelous work among this people, even a marvelous work and a wonder. For the wisdom of their wise men shall perish, and the understanding of their prudent men shall be hid. That prudent is somebody that gets a lot of knowledge. They knowledgeably think they know better. They know how to do it. They've got experiences. And they think they're good enough to do it. They don't need, you know what, I'd have never made it if, I took, if it took taking a test and passing to become something or to get it even in a job at the railroad. But I prayed and I asked God to help me. You know what? God has opened every door. He's brought every, every day in my life. And I ain't nobody. God knows I'm nobody. But you know what? I belong to him. He's my friend. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. I have nowhere else to turn but to him. I, you know, I have people sometimes tell me, read this book. Boy, it's a great book. Can I tell you? I don't really want to read it. As much as I, most of the time, I said it before, they could put everything they said that I probably never heard before in two pages, but they write 300 pages to tell you that. I'm sorry. Some of you like to read a book. I'm, I'm happy for you. I just, I can't, my brain ain't got the patience to wait on that. I'm not against education. But can I tell you some? The intelligence, look at our nation, the intelligence that's going on in our world is destroying us. We get smarter and smarter and farther and farther away from God. We, the more we seem to technologically get better, the less we think we need to trust God. Watch what people do. They don't worry. It's when the doctor gives you a bad report, well, let's get me a better doctor. Let's go to a doctor and figure out how to fix me. Let me tell you something. God wants you to put your faith and your trust in him. Not against doctors. Not against any of them. 1 Corinthians 1 and 20. It says, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of the world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? And in Isaiah 44, it says, Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, he that formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord that makes all things and stretches forth the heavens alone, that spreads abroad the earth by myself, that frustrates the tokens of the liars. That means the signs of the liars. 
and makes diviners mad and turns wise men backward and makes their knowledge foolish. These, these liars, these people, that they're, they're false signs and false prophecies. We hear all kinds of people tell us how it's going to work out. But how many knows they're all false? Because they're going by man's wisdom. If you'd read the books they want you to read, you'd philosophize better. You'd get a better a handle on what to do. Can I tell you, that's not your answer. You cannot find it in those books. You'll find it when you turn to him. But he has got a way of dumbfounding the wise. He's got a way of stopping them in their tracks. Some of the smartest people that we're supposed to have in this nation are supposed to be up in Washington, but they can't set nothing straight. You can see it. And can I tell you, that's what our children's left to in the future. Be careful, parents. You need to pray. You need to pray now because we need to have a revival. We need to dumbfound the world with the power of God. We need to come upon what God has told us to do and come forth with it. Don't be afraid. Don't look around at somebody else's what they're doing. Do what God gives you with all your heart. 1 Corinthians 3.18. The scripture says, Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seem to be wise in the world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He takes the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are vain. All that wisdom, all them studies, you know what, I, I appreciate smart people. Sometimes I look at uh, people like a Trump that's got all this education enough that he knows how to make a company successful, okay? Whether you liked him as a president or not, I don't know. But I can tell you right now, he obviously knows how to make money. But there's a lot of people making money that have lost their mind. A lot of people's making money and they ain't helped they ain't helped make it better. They've made it worse. If God's not in it, if God's not with it, if they exclude God, they've excluded the only path forward for this nation, for our children. He goes on to say, Therefore let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. We're not to glory in these things. We're not to glory in ministries. We're not to glory in how smart our nation is. We're not to glory in our soldiers. I love them. I appreciate every one of them. But can I tell you something? We have to have our heart right or we won't be fighting the right battles. We won't be in the places where God wants us. It don't do no good to have a great strong arm if that arm don't have a brain that guides it right. We have to use what God has shown us. And we have to apply it all. God's made us to work together. He didn't make this church to go over for me. He didn't make it for it to go over for anybody else. He made it to go over for the gospel's sake. Because there will be people looking and hungry 
to find the truth. Those Epicureans I was talking about before, listen to their, listen to their idea of what being successful. Be happy and seek sensual pleasures. That was one of the things written about them. The Epicureans lived for that. They were constantly showing up at Athens. They were constantly sitting around talking about some new doctrine or new philosophy of what life's about. And the Stoics were people that lived in harmony with nature. That sounds like our world too. Everybody's going to go hug a tree. Yeah. And I don't want to pick at none of you with dogs, but they love their dog more than they do their children. They won't stand up and tell their children what's true, but they'll just hold on to that little dog because it never talks back. Let me tell you something, there's a price to pay to stand for Jesus. There's a price to pay. You ain't going to be popular with your children. But if you'll get a hold of it and it's in you, you can't be quiet about it. And you'll have to tell them, Jesus knows what you're going through. He's the only one that can forgive, forget, and set things right in your life. How can we take me back? I watched, telling somebody the other day, you watch these little children run back and forth through here. They're so innocent. And some of you parents, you just hold on to them because you see the innocence. You see the simplicity in them. You see how much they have joy when they play. They just run and fall down, get up, run into each other, cry a minute, laugh a minute. They have a good time doing nothing. But I can tell you, when you come to Jesus, he'll make you like a little child again. He'll turn that off, that old, old body, that old nature. He'll say, I give you victory over that nature. You can walk with me and talk with me. And pretty soon you'll find yourself loving people that you wouldn't have liked at all before. You couldn't stand to be around them. Now you love them. Now you want to Help them all you can because God puts that inside of you. Jesus could have came and just struck people dead, you know, but he didn't. He had patience. He had compassion. He knew where they were. God knows where you're at today. He knows if you're walking with him or if you're walking with yourself. He knows how educated you are, how smart you are. He knows the very intent of why you do what you do. But can I tell you, he's calling you, and he'll call you all your life to set everything aside and walk for me. That's what he's telling you. He's made a way to get us back into the Father's hands. But we are still rebelling against the Father. Sometimes I even see the church world. They just rebel against the Father. Everything that God has ever done for them, and yet they want to turn and do what the world's doing. The flesh is crying out for its way. I'm going to quit.
quit here. Uh, Matthew, I'll get you to get something together here in a minute. It says in 1 Corinthians 1.21, It seems to the world that preaching of the cross to save is foolishness. How many knows what I'm talking about? The preaching of the cross to the world, it seems foolish. They don't understand how, why we come to church, why we get happy and excited, why we praise him sometimes. You know, sometimes I didn't come in here feeling like praising him, but sometimes that's exactly what God wants me to do is praise him. Set your troubles aside and say, you know what? I am only here, I only made it this far because of what he has done for me. And I want to praise him for that. I want to thank him every day. It says in that verse, Corinthians 1.21, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by the wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. It seems foolish to the world. Paul is not calling preachers preaching foolishness, but, he's, but the preaching of what Jesus did on the cross to save sinners. That don't seem to even add up. You take that to an educated person and say, you know, God sent his son 2,000 years ago and he laid down his life and died for all sin. So if you want to get rid of your sin, all you do is bow down, surrender yourself to God, accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, and you're saved. The world says that's foolish. That's too simple. That's too, that's too easy. There ain't no way that can erase what they did. There's no way that can erase who you are. But how many knows it's happened? How many knows God can change a life? God can turn you. Look at Apostle Paul. He was out destroying the, the church. He was doing everything he could to turn in every one of them. But God stopped him on that road to Damascus. When the little woman at the well, she stood there debating with Jesus about where to worship. And Jesus said, go get your husband. And she said, I don't have a husband. And he said, that's right. You've had five husbands. And the one you're with now is not your husband. And when she ran back to the city of Samaria, she said, come and see the man that told me all about myself. How many knows the Holy Spirit's going to tell you about yourself? He's going to bring your guilt to your face. He's going to bring the truth to you. And when he brings the truth to you, he's humbling you before God. There's only one place to go. Humble yourself before God. Say, God, you sent your son to die. Is that my sins too? Was that my sins too he died for? Lord, if you'll forgive me and accept me, I'll be your child. I'll walk for you. I ain't perfect. I never was. But I know that's what I prayed when I went to the altar that night. I said, Lord, I'm sorry, and I will serve you. That's all I knew to say. I didn't have fancy words. But if you'll come, he will save your soul today.
He will change you today. I know that's true. But unless we see this happening on others, we won't believe it's real. We have to get our faith in the right place. You're not going to see it with a perfect church with great entertainment. But you're going to see it with people that humble themselves before God and call on Him. Praise God. Everybody stand if you will. Matthew eleven twenty five says, At the time Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. He revealed it to you and I when we come helpless. When we come, say, Lord, it's like when I went to my mother and father, I couldn't help myself. Help me, Mom. Help me, Dad. I'm, I'm messed up. Forgive me, Mom. Forgive me, Dad. I messed up. When you come to God, you come with the same heart. You come as a little child. Lord, I'm sorry. I messed up. I messed up my life. If you can salvage me, if you can fix me, if you can save me, I'll live for you, Lord. You show me your presence in me and I'll serve you. You have to believe that. You have to step forward and claim it for yourself. He's not going to make you do it. He's going to do it because you desire to be forgiven. You desire to change. Some people look that I've did it this way all my life. I've seen God change old people. Never been, never been saved. God knows exactly where you're at. Knows your heart. He's waiting on you. It's why we must come to him as a little child. We must come knowing we're helpless without him. While Matthew sings something. You need to pray, you come. Without him, I would be nothing. Oh, without him, I surely fail. Without him,